Hey everybody, this is No Bones About Wrestling. I'm your host, Asa, and I'm here with Kay Fabulous. Hey. And this is your AEW Dynamite recap. The show was April 12th, 2023. They were live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Let's get right to it. Uh, the first match, Darby Allen versus Swerve Strickland. This was a cool one. These two have had... Uh, some matchups in Defy. They've had a number of matchups, and they have a history together, and they wanted to continue it here in AEW, and that is what they did. And I'll tell you, I've really enjoyed Swerve Strickland as a heel. He uh, he's really he's really uh, connected with me. He is just the dirtiest guy, looking to get himself over and looking to screw over his opponents, and it really comes through. And even in his physical movements, the guy, he stands like a vulture now. He looks like <laughs> yeah. a cartoon vulture in the way he stands. That's a great observation. He's just waiting to, to for his prey mm -hmm. to come along. Uh, anyways, I've really enjoyed Swerve as a heel. So at the beginning of this match, Swerve tries to shake hands with Darby, but Darby... Flips over for a stunner. Uh, Swerve goes to the outside. Darby dives out onto him. On the apron, Swerve pulls Darby off, body slams him, stomps him, climbs the guardrail. Darby knocks him down, throws Swerve into the guardrail, then comes flying into Swerve. Darby moves the ring steps in front of Swerve, gets on top of them. Swerve trips him up, drags him down the steel ring step, kicks him in the jaw, uh, and then gets him back in the ring uh, for a two-count. Swerve then proceeds to take off Darby's belt and start whipping him with his own belt. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, we then see Sammy Guevara and Ty Mello are watching this match on a monitor uh, somewhere in the arena. Uh, Darby then grounds and pounds Swerve and then runs him into a corner. Swerve hits a jumping heel kick on Darby, and then he takes Darby's necklace, his uh, metal necklace, and puts it in Darby's mouth, so so the necklace is kind of holding, is pulling his head backwards, and then Swerve delivers another jumping heel kick, pins Darby for a two count. Uh, the two battle by the ropes, uh, Darby grabs Swerve, he bites his head, uh, Swerve then stomps Darby out of the ring, to get back in the ring, Swerve puts Darby in a painful-looking hold, stretching his arms, and at the same time, while, his, while he's stretching Darby's arms out, he's pounding him in the head. Uh, Darby kicks at Swerve uh, while down in the corner after that. Uh, then Swerve stomps at Darby. He puts Darby in Lex Luger's torture rack, drops to his knees, Drops Darby and covers him for two. It was cool seeing Swerve pull out Lex Luger's torture rack. I enjoyed that. A Swerve then locks Darby in with a rear waist lock. Uh, nails Darby in the corner. Both roll out of the corner. Swerve hits a flatliner. It goes to climb the turnbuckle. Uh, Darby removes Swerve's boot and then bites his ankle that he hurt when he stomped Darby. Uh, Darby... Uh, then does some stomps onto Swerve, grabs his 
leg and puts Swerve in a knee bar working on that leg. Swerve rolls it over. They trade shots in the middle of the ring. Uh, Darby tries a springboard backsplash, but Swerve uses Darby's own momentum to turn it into a German suplex. Uh, we then see Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, is somewhere in the arena watching on a monitor as well. Uh, pillar watch, you know, the four pillars mm-hmm. watching. Uh, we're watching pillar watch, or we're watching the pillars watch for mm-hmm. pillar watch. Exactly. Yeah. Precisely. Uh, so after that German suplex, Darby covers Swerve for a two count. Uh, Darby uh, puts Swerve back in a knee bar. Swerve reaches the ropes to break it. Uh, Swerve gets Darby on his shoulders, and then uh, Darby hits a reverse Hurricane Rana to the floor in a scary-looking spot. Darby rolls Swerve back into the ring, hits a coffin drop, looks to be the end of the match, two count only, as Prince Nana, I don't know if it's Nana or Nana, 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 Prince Nana, saunters down. I don't know why I said Nana. <laughs> Two count only as Prince Nana saunters down and places Swerve's foot on the ropes at the last second. Uh, Darby chases Nana up the ramp. Out comes Brian Cage. Uh, there's a jumping kick, then a stomp, and then a two count by Swerve. Uh, Darby is tripped up by Brian Cage. Arby, uh, Aubrey, the referee, has had enough she throws out Brian Cage and Prince Nana. Swerve then grabs a chair, but Darby Allen disarms him. Darby hits the code red, gets a two count. Hits the last supper, gets a three count for the win. Very good match by these two. Four bones out of five. Nice opener to the show. Can uh, I add that you're crazy? I cannot believe you gave this four bones. What does it deserve? Well, I liked it so much that I wrote down a bone rating, which I for done for the first time. I have not done that before. I gave it four and a half bones. And listening to you run down the match, gonna, I was thinking I'm about gonna, how I couldn't believe I didn't give this five bones. I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it to four and a half. Yeah. I agree. It, that's crazy. I agree. Four. four and a half bones. This, this match was so hot. This was my match of the night. I mean, not mine, I, but it was a very good match. It was a very good match. It was definitely my match of the night. I loved it. Very good match. These two worked their asses off. Yeah. Do you have stuff you want to say before I? No, go ahead. Thoughts? Go okay. ahead. Um. So I felt like this was a great opener. Uh. Sometimes dynamite starts out a little slow with their opening matches, and I feel like this was not one of those nights. Like. My thought at the end of this match was, how are they going to top this? You know, um, I loved the biting. I'm a big biting fan, as as I like to mention. It's one of my favorite things wrestlers do. Um, and so I was excited when he bit, uh, when Darby bit Swerve's head. But then when he started biting the foot, that was crazy. Because he bites his ankle, but then he also bites, like, like the ball of his foot. Like, he put his foot, like, in his mouth, which is disgusting and mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, I also really appreciated Taz on commentary. Uh, after after the boot was off of um, Swerve and Darby was trying to put uh, like an ankle lock on him, he was talking about the challenges that Darby was going to face in doing certain maneuvers. Now there there wasn't a boot to like 
help give him something to anchor onto. Yeah. Uh, and I found that really interesting because that wasn't something that I had thought of. I tell you, Taz is really great at pointing out things that only a wrestler would mm-hmm. think of or know. Yeah. And, and really giving you a wrestler's perspective on matches. He's so great at, at illuminating those things for... Yeah. For the audience. You know, for a very brief period, like, I think they only did it once or twice, but they had, like, an animated segment where, it wasn't in this episode, but with Taz, where he would oh. explain a move set and talk about, like, like countering it and, like, how the move worked, and there would yeah. be, like, a diagram, like, a moving diagram. I remember that. I loved that. I really wish that was something that they would go back to and continue. Yeah. I forget what they called it, but yeah, that was very cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I was surprised when the Code Red didn't do it for Darby, uh, and I was very impressed that he was eventually able to secure the win, especially with uh, Prince Nana uh, and Brian Cage's interference that that he was... Because as soon as they came out and started, like, fucking with shit, I was like, it's going to be... It's going to be over for him. And it wasn't. Oh. And... Yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited that Swerve is with the embassy. I'm excited to see where this is going. He keeps uh, hinting that there is going to be another monster mogul, uh, or monster joining his, what is it called? The mogul, mogul something? Isn't he calling it, isn't he calling it the mogul embassy? Are they calling it something like that? Something awkward. Yeah. Is it mogul embassy affiliates? Oh, affiliates is what I was forgetting. Um, cause he, he was mogul affiliates and now it's mogul embassy affiliates. Yeah, it's awkward. I don't know. But he was, he's, he's hinting at, uh, that he's adding some sort of new monster to the group. So I'm interested to see who that's going to be. I love factions and this is a faction that I can totally get behind because oh, yeah. I was already so behind the embassy and I was already so behind Swerve. So putting them together is is fantastic. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do and where this goes. I agree with everything you said for a change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I have I'm that very, in writing? <laughs> I'm very excited seeing Swerve get some more people. I mean, he is so great as just a, a down in the depths, the, the muck of the human soul. <laughs> what will this man do to win a wrestling match heal? He has really captured that feeling, and uh, I shared something on Twitter the other day. You can look on the No Bones About Wrestling Twitter. It's called The Art of Storytelling by Swerve Strickland, and it was a promo a video for his match with Darby Allen for Dynamite. You should watch it. It is awesome. And Swerve talking about his feud with Darby Allen. Uh... And it shows you the uh, promo abilities and just the wh- where mentally Swerve Strickland is at as a heel and where he wants to take the character. And I'm with it all the way, and it's terrific. Uh, check it out. The Art of Storytelling. It's several days ago back on the No Bones About Wrestling uh, Twitter feed. One thing that I think is so impressive about him is that he is this amazing heel character. But it also comes out through, like, everything he does in the ring. Like, he's such a strong wrestler. And, 
like you were saying about his posture, like he's he's so good with body language at just silently being able to communicate what he's thinking um, that it makes it so engaging to watch him in the ring. Yep. Um, and just to throw this out there, uh, if you're able to watch a AAA um, pay-per-view this weekend on Sunday, uh, he has a match, a four-way, a fatal four-way match uh, for the... What is it? Mega Triple A Mega Championship. Mega Championship. Um, uh, so he's wrestling with uh, Elio Del Vikingo and Commander and one other person whose name I can't remember. It's gonna be wild. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Um, so check it out. He's awesome. Is that Sunday night? That's, I believe the sixteenth is that Sunday. Yeah, yeah Sunday. yeah, Sunday night. That's that's wild. Uh, so yeah, this was a great way to start the show. And uh, it goes right into another uh, great segment. MJF, the world champion. His music hits. He comes out. And Darby's still in the ring at this point. Yeah. As you know, we're having this four-way feud. The the four pillars. MJF, Darby Allin, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and Sammy Guevara are having a four-way feud seemingly leading to Double or Nothing, the pay-per-view May 28th. Uh, so MJF comes down, and he says that Darby is one of the toughest opponents he's ever faced in the ring. And uh, Darby Allen asks MJF if he's happy. And Darby Allen goes on to talk about how he began therapy in year one of AEW because he didn't want to be this happy on the outside guy and dying on the inside guy. And he talks about how he bought his folks a house and helped his dad retire. And how no, Sting is not his dad. Sting is just his best friend in AEW. And MJF says that nothing he does matters. And all he's going to be remembered as is Sting's little bitch. And so cue Sting's music. And Sting comes out. And he's wearing this uh, Sting bomber jacket which is apparently filled with pom-poms <laughs> because then he he comes out and he ends up throwing pom-poms at MJF. Four, four different pom-poms. And just to clarify, he's talking about, like, cheerleader pom-poms, not, like, crafting, like, fuzzy ball pom-poms. Yeah. They're, like, the cheerleading kind. And he says he's not Darby's daycare. He's more of a cheerleader. That's what the pom-poms come from. So whatever. That's kind of weird. Um, but he says MJF must be forgetting about Cody daycare. Oh, did I say Cody? You know, that kind of deal. Talking about Cody Rhodes, of course, was a big proponent of MJF when he first came in. And he says when he, he, when he was young, Sting, Sting says this, he had the support system of Ric Flair, the nature boy being behind him. And he's part of Darby's support system. And then he says hi to the nature boy. And uh, and then he talks about how he was crow sting and about how he was uh, wolf pack sting and says hi to Kevin Nash and says hi to Scott Hall and he looks up to heaven. And then he says showtime is winding down for him and he doesn't have a lot of taste for the AEW world title. He has no interest in it. But he says it's just starting for Darby Allen. Which is weird, because Darby's been talking about retiring. Yeah, I thought that was strange. Uh, But Sting says Darby Allen will win 
the AEW world title. And Darby then pipes back up and he says, uh, this plastic world won't take him alive. And he will be the AEW world champion. So it was a pretty cool segment. Uh, the Sting, Sting's part, I mean, it was awesome seeing Sting, of course. Sting's fantastic. His part was kind of weird, as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Talking to Scott Hall in heaven and throwing pom-poms out of a bomber jacket. And it was just very random. Yeah. It felt very random. Uh, but but it was effective. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like it sounded strange. like the beginning of a wrap-up speech. Like, because of all the references of, like things throughout his career and like I feel like he was doing like a big picture winding down his time as in in wrestling kind of speech uh while simultaneously trying to lift Darby up um and not to focus on Sting because I felt like before Sting came out and Darby was just talking to MJF I think Darby has has previously struggled a lot on the mic he's come across as like kind of monotone and robotic yeah and the last two promos that he's done including this one yeah he was great here. he was he was so real and just mm-hmm. everything he said felt so sincere and honest mm-hmm. and it felt like he was just talking to MJF and we were just witnessing this conversation. It didn't sound like here are my talking points that I'm supposed to hit while I'm giving this speech. You know what I mean? It just seemed so authentic and seeing that kind of promo from him was fantastic. And he needs to grab a hold of whatever magic that was and not, not let it go. You know, I feel like they're letting him say what he wants, you know, not that they haven't been doing that from the beginning necessarily, but I don't know. I was really, I don't want to say proud of Darby, but I was, I was really pleased, uh, with, with his growth on the mic. Like, I just felt like we got to see him as a person. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. It was, it was really refreshing. Yeah, it was cool. Made me, uh, a bigger fan of Darby yeah, Allen. Yeah, too. getting to see him as a person. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Plus, how awesome is it that now in, like, 2023, we can listen to wrestlers talk about the importance of mental health, like, on television to their fellow wrestlers? I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, and to MJF's credit, he said that, uh, what did he say? He said something to the effect of, you know, morals are the way out of the wrestling business, and he doesn't care, you know, who he has to, you know, who he has to step on and lie to and cheat as long as he has the world title, as long as he can take the world title with him, he doesn't care if he goes to hell. Mm-hmm. And he's the devil and this and that yeah. and all that stuff. And that, so that was his answer to Darby's uh, talk about mental health mm-hmm. and and being being happy. Yeah. So that was his. So I guess that was his answer is... I guess he is happy because he's the world sense, champion. Yeah. The only thing that's that the only thing that matters him is him being yeah, world champion. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah. So yeah, so moving forward with the four pillars there. Um, up next, we had a TNT Championship match. Uh, we had the champion powerhouse Hobbs who was accompanied by the QTV posse, uh, 
QT Marshall, um, Aaron Solo, and that woman, whose name I forget, the blonde woman. And he defended against Silas Young, who I like, Ring of Honor guy. Uh, but it was a squash match. Silas Young started off on the attack. Hobbs, Irish whipped him. Spine buster, torture rack, slam, pin, over. Yeah, can I just say what the fuck about this? Like, the last man, Silas Young. They didn't even give him an entrance. They, like, jobbered him where he just was, like, already in the ring when Hobbs came out. Jobbered? Is that a word? It's a word now. Jobbed him. Jobbed him. They jobbed him out. (laughs) That's that's the parlance. They jobbed him out. Yeah. It was just really shitty. Uh, He showed up on Ring of Honor last week, I think, for the first time. Uh, It it was was two weeks ago, Was it two weeks ago? Okay. Um, But it was so cool to get to see him and... I was so excited when I saw he was going to be on AEW, and then when I saw who he was facing, I was like, that's not going to go well for him. Uh, well, I knew he was going to lose, but yeah. I thought they might give him a little bit. Because he's but, so good. It just yeah. it sucks. But, yeah, that was it was kind of shitty. I would love it if AEW could get some actual jobbers or something so that they're not using people I care about <laughs> as jobbers. Yeah. Uh, like you with Tony Nice, I guess he's not. Yeah, it doesn't do a lot of favors yeah. for uh, Ring of Honor to bring those guys in and job them out on AEW television. Yeah. Uh, after the match, this was pretty entertaining. Yes. <laughs> uh, so recently, Hobbs, uh, Hobbs uh, had been given a car by QT Marshall, right? He bought it. With apparently with Wardlow's credit cards, is that yes, right? They yeah, stole. They, they had stole... stolen his luggage and his credit cards. Yes, yeah. And QT Marshall bought this. Uh, looked like a, a Cadillac type car, and they turned it into a lowrider, and it's got these gigantic rims on it, and it's spray painted with Monstar. It's not spray painted. It's like detailed. Like, yeah, it's written yeah. Monstar. No, it's yeah. not spray painted. Yeah. It's been lovingly crafted with yes, with the word yeah. Monstar on the side of it. You know, it's like a, uh, like, like a, an underground, yeah. like, like a pimped, Fast and Furious, like a pimped out ride. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm going for. And so Wardlow's been sharing pictures on social media and this and that saying, hey, I love my new car. Hobbs. What? Oh, I said Wardlow. Yeah. Hobbs has been sharing pictures on social media. Saying, I love my new car, and I love this ride, etc., etc. So, uh, after the match, we were drawn to the giant screen in the arena. As uh, Wardlow is uh, by Hobbs' new ride, and he is on a forklift. So, conveniently, Hobbs parked right next to a forklift, I guess. And, uh... Wardlow takes the forklift and completely destroys the car. First, he takes a, a stanchion, mm-hmm. one of those things, you know, that holds velvet ropes, and he beats the shit out of the car, you know, smashing the the lights, smashing windows. He smashes the front windshield, leaves the stanchion mm-hmm. sticking in the front windshield. That was pretty awesome. Well, he actually, he shows up with a pipe. And that's when he does most of, like, the smashing of windows and stuff. Right, right. The stanchion he grabs after he throws the pipe aside. So he went there with the intent 
to fuck shit up because he brought the we- a weapon with him, yeah. you know? But yeah, the stanchion sticking in the front windshield was, was awesome. Yeah, and he beat the shit out of it. And then he turns on the forklift and uses the blades to ram through the glass uh, windows on the side of the car. And after that, he t- retracts the blades out of it. He backs up. And then he takes the blades down to the ground and uses them to completely flip the car onto its roof. He's utterly destroyed this car. Hobbs is shocked. The car looks like something out of the Street Fighter II bonus stage. (laughs) It's been destroyed. Uh, I found this very enjoyable. It was delightful. It was delightful (laughs) to see Wardlow get some uh, revenge, to see Hobbs get his comeuppance. Uh, so after that, Wardlow comes out, comes into the arena, and the two battle wrestlers pour out of the dressing room, wrestlers that I've never seen before, pour out of the dressing rooms to try to separate them. Uh, QT Marshall escorts Hobbs away. Uh, Wardlow grabs Aaron Solo, and, uh, they, they have two tables set up, um, Wardlow and Solo are on the the stage, and they have two tables set up on the floor, and I think he's supposed to powerbomb Solo through the two tables, but what happens is he powerbombs Solo through one table, and Solo's head cracks against the other table on his way down. It was a scary-looking spot. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that looked painful. Uh, But yeah, that that was a pretty... Interesting, uh, pretty exciting stuff. You know, it's right out of 1990s WWF mm-hmm. vehicles getting destroyed by other vehicles. I love that sort of thing, you know. That was, that was very enjoyable. Uh, this Wardlow and Hobbs feud heating up. I think they're fighting on Dynamite this week, are, I believe. Yeah. This next week. Uh, so that's exciting. Do you think Wardlow's going to win his title back? No, there's going to be some chicanery yeah. happening. That's what I think. This also. is not. No, yeah. this is not going to be ending on dynamite. Yeah. Uh, Wardlow, if he wins, it'll be by disqualification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, something. Something bad's going to happen to Wardlow. Yeah. Do you think this is going to keep building to double or nothing? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to have Wardlow and and Hobbs at double or nothing, which is uh, I mean it's a it's a ways away. We're six weeks away still from I the pay per view. I love the slow build, though. I like that. Um, but uh, it it looks like they're building still towards uh, double or nothing. Yeah, and man, yeah, put these two motherfuckers, these big guys, in there and let them let them tear each other apart. They're both skilled. They're both far more agile than men of their size uh, should be. So. Uh, I enjoyed their their battle before, and yeah, let's see it again. Why not? Fantastic, great yeah. stuff. And can I just say, I was not when Hobbs like first started showing up as a heel. Uh, I guess he was kind of always a heel. I wasn't sold on him being a heel because I thought he looked like too nice of a guy to pull off the heel thing. But I am officially sold at this point. Like I was thinking about that, watching him watch his car get wrecked. Uh, I think that, I think I honestly think that QT, not QTB, but being with QT Marshall kind of helped 
solidify his heel status for me. Just being around QT Marshall. Yeah, because yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the, like, nice, like, smiley eyes that he used to have, I feel like those are gone now. And so I feel like he's got a mean face, finally. Okay. Uh, so after that, we see a Bullet Club promo uh, from Switchblade, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. And they say that they're after Ricky Starks. And they proclaim themselves now Bullet Club Gold. Yeah, what uh, the fuck does that mean? Well, it sounds like a credit card. It does. You know? Yeah. To me. Uh, but no, it's just, well, so Bullet Club, you know, has been a thing in Japan. Yeah. So now this is like an exclusive membership tier. They're above mm-hmm. the other Bullet Club, the original Bullet yeah. Club. This is Bullet Club Gold. So it really is like a credit card. No, it's exclusive. Yeah. All right, like the credit card. Like a gold card. Like a gold card. <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting. Uh, so right now it's just Jay White and Juice Robinson. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if, if more join. I'm sure they will. Uh so it's cool bringing Bullet Club to the United States, finally. It's been in Japan, I don't even know how many years. There have been famous members. Finn Balor, I believe, was in it. Yeah, AJ was, Styles yeah. has mm-hmm. been in it. and uh, Yeah, it's been a big thing in Japan. Mm-hmm. Finally coming over here. So we'll see what happens with Bullet Club Gold and these two going after Ricky, Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks does not appear on this episode. For some reason. Time. Odd. I guess. Odd. Up next, we have the AEW International Championship match. We have the champion Orange Cassidy accompanied by the best friends. And he takes on one-third of the trios champions, Buddy Matthews. And he's accompanied by Julia Hart. This is a good one. Uh, Starting off, Orange goes for his pockets... But Buddy throws him into the corner. There are a series of reversals. Cassidy goes off the ropes and then hits a uh, around-the-world Hurricane Rana, which sends Buddy to the outside. Orange finally gets his hands in his pockets, dodges some strikes from Buddy, drop kicks him out of the ring, and then does his signature kip-up. Orange scales the ropes, uh, goes for a cross-body splash. He's caught by Buddy Matthews. It's reversed. Hurricane Rana by Cassidy. Tornado DDT then by Cassidy. Kip up. Orange punch out of nowhere. But, of course, Orange's hand has been hurt uh, over the last several weeks. Originally, I believe, he was going after Buddy Matthews. Buddy Matthews held up one of the trio's title belts, and Orange punched it and injured his hand. And now as he keeps having to hit his signature orange punch, he keeps injuring his hand, and it, it gets more injured as the weeks go along. So yeah. s- seems like eventually he's dropping the belt. Well, it was interesting because, like, he came out with his hand wrapped. Right. And they even had, this was the weird part, they had a ringside doctor who, in the middle of the match, checked the status of his hand. So I thought he was going to drop the belt here. Because they were making such a big deal about the hand. 
Um, and so I think it's pretty awesome, not to spoil what you're going to say, but I think it's pretty awesome that he didn't drop the belt here because I felt like, like if this was WWE, that belt was going to not be his because of this hand issue, you know, but, but he was able to hold on to it. And that was, that's why I love AEW. Surprising things happen. But yeah, so as, as you said, the doctor goes to check Cassidy's hand but Matthews comes over, he stomps it, he smashes it on the ring steps. Then the doctor gets to check it. Uh, Trent Beretta comes over, Orange waves everyone away. Buddy comes over, he stomps his hand again and again. He wrenches it on the turnbuckle pole, stands on it on the turnbuckle pole. Buddy kicks Orange in the jaw. Uh, Cassidy comes off the ropes, goes for a tornado DDT. Nope. Buddy goes for a suplex. That's blocked. Uh, Cassidy runs Buddy into two different turnbuckles. Super kick by Matthews. Then a super kick by Cassidy. Cassidy goes for a tornado DDT again. Matthews counters with a knee strike. Uh, Cassidy hits beach break on the apron. Both men fall to the floor. Series of punches by Cassidy. A striking combo then by Matthews. He stomps again on Cassidy's hand. Cassidy gets his hands in his pockets, his superpower, of course. Matthews nearly decapitates him with a knee strike. Buddy picks up Cassidy. That's reversed into a stun dog millionaire by Orange. Uh, Buddy is up on the turnbuckle. Then uh, there's an elbow strike by Cassidy. Cassidy climbs on Buddy and brings him down off of the turnbuckle with a DDT. Uh, he jumps through the ropes and catches Buddy with a DDT on the arena floor in an impressive move. Back in the ro- uh, back in the ring, Cassidy dives and hits a diving DDT on Buddy, covers him, two count. Uh, goes for the orange punch, it's caught, countered with a high knee by Matthews. Cassidy rolls him up for two, hits the orange punch, pins him, two count. Goes for another orange punch. Matthews catches it. Hits orange with a high knee. Orange gets stomped. Gets pinned for a two count. And then orange pulls out the mouse trap, His pinning uh, maneuver. And out of nowhere. And pins Matthews. Gets the win. Fantastic match. Great story. Orange did a fantastic job selling the hand. I mean, I was mm-hmm. feeling for the guy by the end of the match, but yeah. I was I was like, oh my god, they got to stop this. By the time the, I mean, the mm-hmm. guy did a fantastic job yeah. selling it. Uh, four and a half bones out of five. Great match. Great match. I guess, uh, I'm guessing this was your match of the. This night. was the match of the night. Yeah, no doubt. For you. These two, they they had a. I mean, just the, the, the story that they told, mm-hmm. the intensity that they brought, the counters after counters. Um, yeah, this was Matthews, the match of the night. He was, like, just relentlessly on him yeah. the whole match. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, he had a fire in him that he wanted that belt. Yeah, and, he did. And really, that came across. Yep, exactly. Um, it was great. Yeah. Anything else you uh, you have to add about this one? Yeah, one thing that I don't think you mentioned, I, I don't know what move he was trying to, Orange Cassidy was trying to do, but he he at one point jumped off the top rope and Buddy Matthews caught him midair 
Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even like, you know, like if you're catching something heavy that's falling, your arms like lower as you catch it and then you bring it back up. That didn't happen. He just caught him and like absorbed the force and momentum with which Orange Cassidy was moving. It was so impressive. Like un- it was one of the most impressive catches I've ever seen uh, because there wasn't that moment of like staggering or of like arm adjustment like. He caught him like he was nothing. It was very impressive. Um, And then my only other note is that I loved that series of three DDTs. Yeah. That was fantastic. That was, yeah, just a fantastic match. I love the mousetrap at the end. I I don't know that I had seen that before. He only pulls it out. I feel like I've seen it like twice before maybe. Okay. Not, Not very often at all. And not recently. No. Yeah. No, it's been months since he's done that. Yeah. It's uh it's hard to describe it even. You have to really go and watch the match yeah. to to see what it is. It's a pinning maneuver that doesn't look like he's going for a pinning maneuver. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's doing a move, but yeah. instead it ends with with the guy getting caught into a pin. Yeah, I thought he was putting like moving Buddy into a submission hold. Uh, right, right, right. And, and then he happened to... It's like a submission hold where the guy's shoulders happen to be down while, while you're holding him in that position, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a surprising sudden win for me because I wasn't familiar with the mousetrap. Yeah, fantastic match. Fantastic match. Orange Cassidy, that... the. This international title reign by him has been terrific. He's yeah. uh he's been defending it against all comers and he's been uh, had a lot of matches on Rampage as well. Mm-hmm. He's on there almost every week fighting someone off. I think it might actually be every week. Might be that every is, week. Yeah. Uh I mean, he's one of the fightingest champions AEW's ever had. Mm-hmm. It's been awesome to see yeah. him defend this belt. And and I tell you, a lot of people they look at Orange Cassidy, and they look at his his comedy, mm-hmm. which somehow is still funny to me. Yeah, after all this time, it's still it's funny. Still yeah, I agree. Uh, and they look at him and they think he's a one trick pony, and with the comedy, mm-hmm. and he is not. This guy is a skilled wrestler. Well, I think, too, like, critics of AEW point to him as something that's wrong with AEW. And I think that just makes it really clear that they haven't actually seen one of his matches, you know? Like, the fact that they, like, they point out that AEW has a wrestler who puts who wrestles with his hands in his pockets and how ridiculous that is. Right. But if you haven't actually seen it in action, like, I don't feel like you understand what's really happening. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody told you or you read it. Yeah, or you saw like a a picture or 30 seconds. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's so cool. And and it's like in in the matches, in the matches with Orange, you know, his opponent almost always mimics his Mm -hmm. stuff. Buddy Matthews didn't do any of that shit, he wasn't playing any games here. He didn't put his hands in his pockets and play have, around at all. I think he might have done the kicking. He was doing the kicking. That's yeah, true. Yeah. He was doing the kicking. Yeah. He was doing the kicking. 
He was doing the light kicks, and then what happened? Orange did something. Orange put his hands in yeah. his pockets, and that's when he brought the kick that nearly decapitated yes, him. that's when he yeah. almost lost his head. Orange was like, wait, wait. Yeah. And then he put his hands in his pack- pockets, and then Matthews was like, oh, yeah? Bam, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's funny to, to see how the, the hands in the pockets... You know, Orange goes for it and either gets it or doesn't get it at the beginning of the match. Mm -hmm. And then his opponent reacts to it. They're either, like, flummoxed or they can be pissed off Mm -hmm. or they can find it amusing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's it's so interesting how differently it can play in his matches. Mm -hmm. I agree. And the different opponent he has influences how it will be played mm-hmm. in the match. Yeah. And it's 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 cool. It's cool getting to see it. Mm-hmm. And but like I said, but comedy aside, this guy is not a one-trick pony. He's a great wrestler. He is a great wrestler. He is fantastic. I mean, just the fact that he can do all that shit with his hands in his pockets. Yeah, yeah. I think is, is a, a testament to that. He's a great wrestler. Um next we see Christian and Luchasaurus. They are bathed in red lighting. Christian says, in a mean voice, some things have changed. What do you think he means, Kay? I have no idea. I was just laughing at your Christian voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh... So when last we saw Christian, he was... Wait, is this when we first see Luchasaurus with the shoulder spikes? What do you mean first? No, this we've, this is the second time we've seen Luchasaurus now. I know, but did he, did he have the shoulder spikes last time? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought maybe that was the thing that changed. Uh, no. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that... Well, means. maybe that could be the thing that's changed, because last time they didn't talk. Yeah. So that changed. You think <laughs> he's talking about the shoulder spikes? I think he's talking about something bigger. Like what? I don't know. Are they? Is he back from the dead? Christian? I mean, last we saw him, Jack Perry put him in a coffin. Did he really kill him? Is he back from the dead? Did they they make some deal with the devil? Is that why they have this red lighting? Have they sold their souls? By the devil, do you mean MJF or do you mean the actual devil? The actual devil. Oh. um, Have they sold their souls? I don't think this is a, like, zombification angle. No. No. Yeah. So what's changed then? You don't think they're undead and coming they're for everyone's souls? Meaner than ever. They're just mean. The level of meanness has, has changed. changed. Yeah. Well, that's you're probably right. Yeah. That's boring. I agree. Uh, next, Renee Paquette is with Orange Cassidy and the best friends, and uh, best friends challenge Aussie Open. To an IWGP tag team title match. And that match is actually going to take place on Rampage. Friday night. Up next, All Ego. Ethan Page is in the ring. He calls out Matt Hardy. Uh, Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy come out. And Ethan Page asks Matt Hardy to explain the the contract for the for this match and this is where it gets confusing like Matt Hardy messes up because Matt Hardy says that the contract for the match said that now 
Matt Hardy and Private Party are no longer under the dominion of the firm. And they're mm-hmm. free. Yeah, it's confusing. And then... And then, and then he said... He said they were, they were going to have a match. And, and then he said, right, and they yeah. said... And, and so now, we're going to have a match. And if we win, it means... The Matt Hardy and Private Party are no longer under contract to the firm. Yeah. We're free. Which is what he said what the other fuck? contract. Which is what he said, said yeah. three seconds ago. Yeah. Well, it's Matt Hardy. I mean. It, he messed up. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. So, I don't know. I guess, I think the the right thing is I think they're going to have a match. And if they win it, then they will be cleared. Yeah. So I think what he was supposed to say is that this contract that he that he tricked Ethan Page into signing was if he loses was if he to loses hook, that to hook, then Matt Matt Hardy and, and Isaiah Cassidy get this match. And Mark Quinn. Mark Quinn is part of the deal too. Oh I didn't hear him mention yeah, that. He's I... just injured or he said private party. He said oh, Matt oh, Hardy and oh, private party. Oh, okay. Yeah yeah. Yeah so, but I'm saying who's getting the match though and that's Matt Hardy and Isaiah. You're confusing it more now. Well, no, I just have a question. Is it a... Are they both in the match? Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy? Or is it just... Oh, I have no idea what's going on. Oh, okay. I have no idea. Okay. So, I guess I won't ask you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, so next, uh, Big Bill and Lee Moriarty run down and uh, jump uh, the heroes. They jump Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, Hook runs in for the save, though. He uh, hits Moriarty with a judo throw, hits Page with a lariat, and then he tries to take down Big Bill. He tries a T-bone suplex on him, uh, but Big Bill is not going anywhere. Uh, not not by Hook's hand, at least. Can I point out something weird about Big Bill that I found distracting and confounding? What? He had a giant-ass lollipop in he his He always mouth. has lollipops. What? Have you not noticed that? No. He always comes out with lollipops. Like, actively in his mouth? Like You've not noticed this? No, that's why I can't believe that it's always. Yeah, in AEW, he, like, always has a lollipop with him. What the fuck is up with that? I don't know. And it's, like, not a lollipop he's been sucking on for a while. It's, like, a full size. Like, he just opened a lollipop and shoved it in his cheek. It was very weird. I don't know. Lollipops are good. What's wrong with that? Yeah, but he's not, like, eating it. It's, like, between his cheek and his teeth. It's like a big, giant bowl. It looks like chewing tobacco, but it's a lollipop. It's weird. He doesn't have it, like, in the middle of his mouth like he's sucking on it. He's got it in the side of his mouth like it's, like it's dip or something. You know? It's odd. Odd. I can't believe he's had that the whole time. I'm sorry. You can move on. I'm just going to sit here and be baffled by this lollipop thing. So, Hook is... He's trying to take down Big Bill. Uh, It's not happening. And so then what happens? The fucking Hardy Boys music hits. Out comes Jeff motherfucking Hardy. Yeah, yo! With a steel chair. He runs down. Not just any steel chair. You gotta add the detail. He runs down. He takes out everyone with a steel chair. It's painted like anime style, weird style, trippy style with his face on it. Um, But he takes everyone out. He does a swanton bomb. It's happiness. Jeff Hardy is back. 
He, he looks good, he looks healthy, and that's good, and so hopefully he'll stay that way. Uh, and that's a great thing. And so it's great to see the Hardy Boys back together. Two of my favorites. Always have been, always will be. North Carolina. North Carolina, yo. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so Jeff Hardy, whenever... You know, Matt Hardy and Private Party get freed from the firm. Jeff Hardy will be there waiting on them. And then maybe they'll form their own faction. The Hardy Boys and Private Party together. That'll be some some wild shit. Uh, So who knows? Who knows where they go from there? What the Hardy Boys' direction will be. Hopefully they'll find some direction. Will they go after the tag team belts? You know, will they go... I mean... They got it. If you if you have the Hardy Boys in your company, they got to be going after the gold. I mean, they they are one of the best tag teams of all time. I know this is an AEW podcast, but I want them to go after the Ring of Honor tag titles so that we can have Hardy Boys versus Lucha Brothers. That sounds Mm. like some hot ass shit to me. Mm. I see. Like, I'd much rather see them fight the Lucha Brothers and FTR. I mean, not that anything is wrong with FTR, but I think that match would be much more mind-blowing. Yeah, that would be fun, too. That would be fun, too. Uh, so, next, we see Kenny Omega. He is in his house, and he is... This is serious, Kenny Omega. And he's talking about what's been going on lately between the Elite and the Blackpool Combat Club. And he talks about how they attacked uh, the Young Bucks. And specifically, he also talks about how they attacked Don Callis. And they show how they they uh, split his skull open. And it wasn't really them. It was an accident on set uh, while they were filming the, the attack. Uh but Don Callis got his skull split open with like a six-inch gash. It was horrific looking. Uh, but it, it led to the angle, you know, working better because uh, he was bleeding uh, terribly. But Kenny Omega, he, he tells the Blackpool Combat Club, he says, you know, I know Don Callis, he isn't going to have... Uh, get well soon cards, he's not going to have balloons and flowers in his room, he's he's not that kind of guy, he says, but he is family, and he says, you can't go after uh, my family, and he says, you know, I, I know you guys might think I'm going to say this, this is going to be blood for blood, and you might even like it if I say that, and he said, but it's not going to be blood for blood, it's going to be much worse than that. So, basically, Kenny Omega threatened to, I don't know, murder them? I don't know. what What's worse than that? We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we have a tag team match. Uh, we have uh, Blackpool Combat Club, uh, Ring of Honor World Champion, Claudio Castagnoli, Teaming with John Moxley, they are accompanied by Wheeler Utah. Uh, strangely, no sign of Brian Danielson this week. 
And uh, they're facing Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa, who are standing up for themselves. They've had enough abuse uh, from these guys and uh, standing up for themselves, like I said. And they're not standing up for themselves. They're standing up, they're for, standing their up for, the, for their friends. They're standing up for their friends. Yeah. For the friends, for themselves, the, the same. They're... Their group has been under siege yeah. from the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, so it starts off, Claudio attacks Nakazawa. Moxley attacks Cutler with a chair. Instantly, Nakazawa is bloodied. He fights back against uh, Claudio with elbows and chops. Claudio gets him in the big swing, one of my favorite moves of all time. Nakazawa gets swung out of his shoes... Claudio puts him in the sharpshooter. Brandon Cutler comes in, tries to break it up. Uh, Nakazawa flips Claudio over, actually, out of the, sh- out of the sharpshooter. Uh, Brandon Cutler clotheslines John Moxley, uh, clotheslines him twice. Uh, John Moxley gets up, hits the King Kong Lariat, then the Death Rider, then puts him in the Bulldog Choke. At this point... Uh, the ref stops the match. He said, this has been enough. Uh, Brandon Cutler is, uh, is bleeding. You know, he's wearing a, that clear protective face mask. He's bleeding. The mask is filled up with blood. Michael Nakazawa is, is bleeding from his head as well. Wheeler Yuta comes in and he starts, um, he starts beating on them. And then what hits is Kenny Omega's music. Um, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. Moxley gets on the mic and then he says, he says, where's the cowboy? Where, where are the young bucks? Where's the cowboy? And he says, they have glass jaws, glass bodies, glass egos. And then Omega's music hits. Uh, and he comes out and he's pissed and he is daring John Moxley to come to him. And uh, instead, he ends up, he comes to Moxley as the Young Bucks are behind Claudio and Yuta. And they hit Claudio and Yuta with super kicks. And uh, the Bucks hit the BTE trigger on Moxley. Omega gets a flathead screwdriver and he tries to murder John Moxley with it. But the, John Moxley is pulled out of the ring and the screwdriver is left sticking through the turnbuckle pad. That's uh, pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. So this feud has ramped up pretty quickly here yeah. between the Elite and the Blackpool Combat Club. And if you're a fan of wrestling, that is great news for you. You've got on one side, Kenny Omega, Nick and Matt Jackson. On the other side, Claudio Castagnoli, John Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, and Brian Danielson. Holy shit. Are I we think, in for some great matches? I think we also have Adam Page on the other side. Oh, Adam Page. Excuse yeah. me. I, I left off Adam Page. Are we in for some great matches? Do you think this is heading to blood and guts? Is it time I for I hope yet? so. That's yeah. what we deserve as fans. <laughs> That's what we deserve. I hope this goes on all summer. I mean, any number of pairings between these eight men. Mm-hmm. Tag team matches, eight-man tags, blood and guts... Singles matches, trios matches, you fucking name it. Let's do it. Let's mm-hmm. let's have this feud. Let's have it out. Yeah. I cannot wait to see this. 
I can tell by just the look on your Let's face. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm I'm excited. This is the most excited I've been for a wrestling feud in a long time. You know what I was excited about? We haven't seen Claudio swing in a while. I think because it's such a popular move and he's supposed to be such a heel. Uh, but I thought, uh, I think it was maybe Taz that said it. Uh, one of the announcers was saying how Claudio was doing the swing because, uh, who was he doing it on? I forget. Uh, Nakazawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, because his head was bleeding and it was going to cause the blood to rush to his head uh, and make him bleed more and be even worse and more disorienting for him. Um so I like that they, like, healed up that move, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good call. Good call. Uh, next, Prince Nana, Swerve Strickland, and Brian Cage are with Tony Schiavone. And Swerve, you know, he can't get over losing to Darby Allen in the night's opener. And, uh, you know, he's kind of, he's got this new faction uh, he's got Prince Nana and Brian Cage with him, and he's kind of wanting to prove himself, and he's getting antsy, and he says, he says, we're going to leave here with something. And then they leave. Up next, we had a women's tag team match. We had AEW Originals, Riho and Sky Blue, versus two of the outcasts. Ruby Soho, and Tony Storm, and they were accompanied by Soraya. Up first, Tony Storm jumps Sky Blue, hits a European uppercut, there's an Irish whip, head scissors by Sky Blue, uh, tag to Ruby Soho, tag to Riho, drop kick by Riho, Riho cartwheels over Ruby, Ruby moves, uh, the faces hit a t- tandem drop kick, Riho dives on the heels, uh, STO by Ruby. She pounds Riho. The heels choke Riho in the corner. Tony smacks Riho's face into the turnbuckle, then hits a nice snap suplex. She tags in Ruby, who slams Riho's head onto the turnbuckle. Riho punches Ruby Soho. Ruby answers back, slams Riho down, puts her in a sleeper hold. Riho rolls up Soho for a two count. Ruby misses a clothesline. Sky Blue back in with some terrible-looking forearm shots. She misses by inches. They look real bad. Uh, She's very green still. Uh, Sometimes her moves look great. Sometimes she misses them. Wildly? Yeah. Uh, Ruby tags Tony Storm. Tony comes in with a knee strike, goes for a hip attack, misses. Uh, Hurricane Rana by Sky Blue, Splash by Sky Blue for a two count, Back Throw by Ruby Soho, Riho hits a Casadora, then a Stomp, Tony hits a Thrust Kick, Standing Switch by Blue, she then throws Ruby Soho, Thrust Kick by Sky, Tony comes in with a Hip Attack, hits the Storm Zero, Pin, and the win. Uh, Tony Storm and Ruby Soho get the win here. This match gets three bones out of five. Good work here by Tony Storm, Ruby Soho, and Riho. Not so much by Sky Blue. She did a bunch of spots where she missed being on her mark and where she missed her move. Several kicks where she came 
inches away from her opponent's face and several forearms where she was inches away from her opponent's face as well. Uh, after the match, of course, the outcasts spray an L on Riho and then triple powerbombed her. Uh, after that, women's world champion Jamie Hayter runs down, the outcasts beat her up, and then Dr. Britt Baker runs down and she takes Storm and uh, Ruby out. So we have set up, you know, these battle lines between the originals, Riho, Sky Blue, Jamie Hayter, Dr. Britt Baker, and the Outcasts, Ruby Soho, Tony Storm, and Soraya. And it seems like they could use a, a fourth member, the Outcasts, you know, but they haven't gotten one yet. Uh, so some people think this is heading toward a women's blood and guts match, which would be interesting. Oh, huh, I hadn't heard that. But, uh, you know, of course, as I said, they they don't have a fourth member yet uh, for the Outcasts. And they need they need to work on their face side. Yeah. This is not a good team. If that's the four members of the team, they need to do some rearranging. Yeah, yeah. Because um, one of my notes was that if they're going to keep doing the homegrown versus the outcast angle, they need to find some homegrown women that can bring it. Because right now, like for the level and quality of wrestling... Because we haven't seen Jamie Hayter or Britt Baker in the ring, I think, since the last pay-per-view. Is that right? Or at least it feels that way, that we haven't seen them in a while. So the women that the outcasts have been wrestling, who are the homegrown women, are not of the same level as the outcasts. And if you're advertising that the better women on your show are the women who came up through this other company and then came to your show. I feel like it's making AEW not look as good as it should. Like we should want the homegrown women to win this battle between the homegrown and the outcasts. And I'm for the outcasts, you know, cause they're better wrestlers. Well, I'll tell you who they could bring in for the homegrown and, and better the team immediately is Ty Mello. Yeah who is just sitting around with nothing to do right now except appear with Sammy watching monitors occasionally. Yeah, and you know what's weird is that she's such a big part of the all-access all yeah. show, and they're still not using her. I just find that surprising, because, I mean, I know this would probably be like more of a WWE move, but... Even if she wasn't good in the ring, I feel like WWE would have put her on the show because she's appearing in All Access to make All Access look like, hey, it's the current wrestlers, you know? But, I don't know, it just seems... It seems like a misstep. Uh, and I haven't really seen Ty Mello wrestle much to be able to talk about her quality of wrestling. But she seemed to have been really popular uh, when she was wrestling regularly, so... I hope that Sammy didn't kind of derail that for her or their on their on television relationship anyway. Um, yeah, I think or just I mean I've seen better, more consistent women on Ring of Honor, and I know they're all not AEW homegrown, but they're not from WWE. You know, like or you could bring in you know you could bring up some of the Ring of Honor women and say 
and and suddenly they're AEW homegrown, you know? Well, that's what I'm saying. Trisha Dora. Trisha Dora, exactly. There's one. Um, I mean, even Lady Frost is more Willow consistent Nightingale. than Sky Blue. Willow Nightingale. Willow Nightingale. Yeah. Well, she's been out. She's been on AEW on their side, like, yeah. doing the run-ins. Which, can we please figure out something else to do after a match is over besides the exact same thing? Every week. With the running with in. The with running the running in. And the spray painting. And then the running in. And then usually there has to be some more people that run in. Because the first run-ins get their ass kicked. Like it's just. Yeah I think it's time to turn the page. It's, yeah. it's time. It's it's just so redundant. Uh, and I feel like. I mean AEW is a pretty creative show. Can they not come up with something else at this point? Like, Yeah I hear you. They're going to that well too many times. There you go. Well, hopefully we'll start to see some some development in the women's storylines. Uh, start to see something different besides the same run-in and spray paint uh, every week. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see something new there. The spray week. paint actually worked this week, though. Like, it still didn't look quite like spray paint. Yeah. But you could actually see the letter L after they spray painted her, so that was a step in the right direction. That's true. It was effective. It was an effective yeah. visual. Yeah, which, like, that's the first time, really, almost this entire time, that that's worked, so maybe they finally shook the can hard enough or something to get the uh, the pigment going. So what do you think? What if it does? What if this is heading towards a women's blood and guts match? Would you want to see that, or is that something you think leave for the leave for the men? No, I totally want to see that. Yeah. If you remember, because... Uh, I mean, you don't think leave it for the Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite? Wait, I'm not saying take it away from them and give it to the women. You're saying take it away from the men and give it to the women? I'm what? asking, what if that was the choice? Do it for nah. the Elite versus Blackpool Combat, Combat Club, or do it for the Outcasts versus AEW Originals? Or, not and, or, yeah, what then, if uh, then keep it with the men. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if all of the women were Tony Storm level wrestlers, I might say either one would be fine and be awesome. Um, but they're not. So yeah. the men, I think, would be if I had to choose one or the other, mm. it would be the men. Uh that I would want to see in a blood and guts match. Although I know that I I I've watched Blood and Guts and I say that phrase often. What is, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> like as far as like the match well, it's their version of War Games. Okay. Where it's a four-on-four four match. With the cage. With the cage, where you get, you know, two guys start. And oh, then that's after right. so okay. many minutes, you know, it's two-on-one. And yeah. then it's two-on-two, two, then it's three-on-two, then it's three-on-three, okay. three, yeah. then it's four-on-three, then it's four-on-four. Four, mm-hmm. And that's when the match starts and, and can actually end. The match can't actually end until everyone is in the ring. And last year, is that the match where Jericho got thrown off the top of the cage into, like, the pile of pillows, basically? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then the one after that is the one that rocked. Yes, yeah. yeah. I couldn't remember if it was just, like, a regular cage match or if there was something, spe- like, like that just happened to be bloody, uh... Or if there was something special about it. So thank you for clarifying that no, for me. But the, I, I still maintain my choice. The, uh, the the time increments are what make yeah. it. Well, the fact that it's like, one, the time increments that lead to mismatches, you know, f- mm-hmm. of, of opponents, three on two, four yeah, on yeah. three. 
lead to mismatches. And then the fact that it's usually a blow off for a, a big stable versus stable feud. Mm-hmm. Uh, two. Do you want to tell our listeners what a blow off is if they're not familiar with that term? Yeah, a blow off means the final match in a feud. Mm-hmm. So like the culminating. Yeah moment exactly yeah Mm -hmm. that meaning this is it the feud is over whoever wins this is the winner of the feud Mm -hmm. this is it um and that's what the blood and guts match serves as generally can i tell you what i think is going to happen with the women what uh and this would be whether it's a blood and guts match or not i think Britt baker is going to turn on jamie Hayter. Eventually, like once the once at the the what did you call it? blow off match where this feud is finally over, I think it's gonna end because a feud between uh, Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker is gonna start. I think it's gonna end because their feud starts. How does that work? Like they're gonna be done fighting with the outcasts, and now they're gonna fight with each other. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's gonna end, and then. And then a new feud between the I two see. of them will, will begin. Because Britt Baker doesn't need to be a face. You know? She's too good at, at being a heel to be a face. People seem to like her. Yeah, but you can like heels. I like MJF. Well, there's something wrong with you for that. Oh. <laughs> I see. All right, so what do, we have, what do we have up next? So up next we have the night's main event. Uh, we have Chris Jericho with Jericho Appreciation Society member Daniel Garcia. And he was taking on Keith Lee. And Keith Lee had said he was going to teach Chris Jericho a lesson. What was it? A lesson in... A lesson in respect. In respect, yes. And so we'll, we will find out, did he or did he not? Uh, so to start off, Jericho chops Lee to no avail. Uh, Lee gets Jericho in the corner. Uh, Jericho fights his way out. Uh, Lee chops and punches Jericho, gets him back in the corner. Uh, Into the turnbuckle. Into the corner. Lee Irish whips Jericho, follows him into the corner, body slams him. Garcia distracts Lee. uh, Jericho hits a springboard dropkick on Lee. Jericho rams Lee into the guardrail on the outside of the ring. Uh, Back in the ring, Jericho hits an axe handle off the top. He then stomps Lee. He chokes Keith Lee on the ropes. He flips off the crowd. Then an array of strikes and chops. A drop kick off the ropes. And then a lion salt by Jericho. Perfect lion salt. Keith Lee tries a beal on Jericho, that move where he throws people, you know, halfway across the ring, but Daniel Garcia has grabbed Keith Lee's leg, and so he's not going anywhere. Uh, so instead, Keith Lee breaks out a lariat on Chris Jericho, and then a pop-up power bomb that is reversed into a roll-up by Jericho for a two-count. Uh, Keith Lee runs over Jericho at this point like a football player, Keith Lee goes for a moonsault, but Jericho gets his knees up, which still kind of hurts Jericho because yeah. Keith Lee is 300-some pounds. Dude, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lee slams Jericho down, covers him for two count. Jericho gouges Lee's eyes, 
and gets the walls of Jericho locked in, but Lee grabs the rope, makes it to the ropes. Uh, Keith Lee picks up Jericho. Uh, Jericho grabs the referee, grabs Aubrey's shirt. Lee elbows Daniel Garcia and then pulls him into the ring. Keith Lee hits a sit-out powerbomb. Garcia gets in the ring. And and then out of nowhere comes Swerve Strickland. He hits Keith Lee with something. It was too dark. I, I couldn't tell what it was. He hit Keith Lee with something. And that was enough for Jericho to cover Keith Lee for the pin and the win. Uh, good match. I gave this one three and a half bones out of five. Okay, so you did not mention the weirdest part of this match. And I don't know if you missed it because you were looking down and writing, but Keith Lee, at the towards the beginning uh, of the match... When he kissed him. He kissed Jericho on his head. How do you leave that out? That's uh, so weird. That was odd, What yeah. was up with that? Is, that? is that like the lollipop where it's been happening this whole time and I just haven't noticed? No, that was weird, yeah. Like, what was that about? He came running at Jericho, and then instead of hitting him, he kissed him on his forehead. Yeah, and Jericho looked so confused and just, like, briefly stunned, which is also how I felt. So I was like, where is this coming from? Why is this happening? Like, do you have any any thoughts on this as to what that was about? Oh, it's like a Bugs Bunny kind of thing, you know. It's funny. He's trying to be funny. Interesting. But, I mean, it didn't come off as funny. It came off as weird. It was so weird. It came off as a little funny, but it was it was weird. Yeah. It was confusing. Okay. I just want to... I, I felt, felt like that him. needed to be mentioned. No, it was, it, was, it was strange. I mean, for sure. Yeah. It was strange. Like, when I think of this match, that is the part that I remember from this match. It was odd. It was for odd. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, after the match, Adam Cole comes down and basically tells Keith Lee, hey man, I know what it's like. Tells him, you know, not to hang his head. And he walks up the ramp with him. Uh, so essentially, this, you know, Keith Lee match was to help build up the Adam Cole Chris Jericho feud a bit. And I think we're going to see Chris Jericho versus Adam Cole at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view in May. Uh, so that that program should be entertaining. Uh, Jericho can still go. Adam Cole is very good, as we all know. Should be a, should be a great match, I think. Should be a great program. So maybe we'll get, end up getting a tag match out of this or something. You know, maybe... Uh, Maybe Swerve and Jericho versus Keith Lee and Adam Cole. That would be interesting to see. That would be super weird. Yeah, it would be but, weird. But I was going to ask, I was gonna ask I, where I like you thought the whole Swerve-Keith Lee thing is going. or if I couldn't tell if this well, was I like... Think that, I think they're going to fight at the pay-per-view. Like, but like they, they've already done that. I think, I think they may be fighting again. I couldn't tell if it was like a setting up for them to fight again... Or if it was like a swerve is such a monster now, he's going to attack anyone any chance he gets, and Keith Lee's an easy target I kind think, of a deal. I think, I think Swerve and Keith Lee may fight at the pay-per-view. Hmm. I think they're going to try and bring Keith Lee back again and have him do a program with Swerve. 
That would help make him interesting, I suppose. Lee? Yeah. I felt like the crowd was not that into him. No. Or the or this match. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I honest honestly I wasn't that into this match. Uh after an It's tough. So, oh, it's so tough with Keith shows. Lee because he's so big. It's tough to do stuff with him and I tell you, I've never gotten the big deal with him. I mean, mm-hmm. with Lee. I've never seen the big appeal. Never. And, man, I may get a lot of hate on the internet for saying that. Because I know the internet people love him. A lot of people love him. But I've never seen the, the big to-do. I've seen several people say that exact phrase within, like, this past, like, few days. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if more people are just finally being honest about how they feel about Keith Lee or I just feel like on a show where we have that Darby and Swerve match where we have that Orange Cassidy and Buddy Matthews match why is this the main event well because uh, it has an eight-time world champion in it okay you want to end your show with a less than like why would you not end well, your saying, show with like Chris Jericho's a star and well, he count, he brings with him a star a certain star power and you know at the end of the day Chris Jericho is still a bigger star than who the fuck is to to the average person who the fuck is Buddy Matthews who the fuck is Orange Cassidy Yeah but the average I'm person I'm trying to answer your question let me finish please who the fuck is uh Darby Allen who the fuck is Swerve Strickland you know the average person these are still unknowns to them. You know, AEW hasn't been viewed by a lot of people. A lot of people still don't even know it's out there as mm-hmm. an option to WWE. But the average fa- wrestling fan or even lapsed wrestling fan, you tell them Chris Jericho, it's like, oh yeah, Y2J, man. I know Chris Jericho. Because Chris Jericho was around even during the, the tail end of the Attitude Era. When, like, it felt like everyone was watching wrestling. And that's why Chris Jericho is so valuable to them, even still, at 52, I think he's 52 years old. Mm-hmm. That's why he's so valuable. Because not only for his name, but also, he can still go. And he can, you know, he's not putting on any five-star matches or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, in our case, five bone matches. Mm-hmm. But... He can still go, and he can still put on good matches, and he can still bring his name, and that's that's what that's why he's worth so much to them, and that's why he's in the main event here. Because, like I said, to your average person, who the fuck is Swerve Strickland? I don't know, but they know Chris Jericho. That's why he's in the main event. So, with your product, you would rather have someone whose name they know, but who does a three and a half half bone match. Then have him on earlier in the show, still with his name, and then have your main event be a four and a half bone match with people that a random Joe doesn't know. Probably yes. I totally disagree with you. Yeah, I would put the yeah. star power in the main event definitely. Yeah, I would not. I I think the that's main the event, way it's always worked in wrestling. I, I understand that. You and, put the big name in the main event. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like. It's like with WWE and WrestleMania and the debate about whether you should have the women's title because it's a bigger belt be the main event of night one or the tag belts be the main event of night one because they're more popular. You know, like, 
it's like the idea that the the world title always needs to be the main event because that's going to be the most important belt. But if you know, like, if you have fucking, like, Elio Del Vikingo and Commander, you know, like, I think they, they, they are, if they're going to put on a main event match, make them a fucking main event. You know, like, I... I think either of those matches, uh, the Buddy Matthews Orange Cassidy or the Swerve Darby, blew this one out of the water. Like, not even a contest. I'm kind of surprised you gave this three and a half bones. And I don't get why you wouldn't want to end your show with some hot-ass wrestling instead of some okay wrestling with a name people have heard of. Oh, and then also, this is it's not just the name, wrestling... But also, this is dealing with a bigger name angle. You're doing the Jericho versus Adam Cole angle as well. But you're not advertising that. No, but that's what you're doing. Still. Yeah. No, I mean, so I you put that. you put on you know the big names are at the end of the show, mm-hmm. too, and so Adam Cole. Well, then get him is, a better opponent. Adam Cole is getting, you know, boosted as a, is getting booked as a big star now yeah. for AEW. So. He's getting booked at the end of the show, whether he's wrestling or whether he's just walking down mm-hmm. to yeah. whatever, help Keith Lee's sagging confidence. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, so if you want to keep Jericho in that spot so Adam Cole can do this, that's fine. Have him fight someone besides Keith Lee, someone that they can put a match together that's going to be something stellar to end the night on. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I'm just telling you how it works. That's... No, I understand how it works. I just think it's stupid. You should oh. end with good wrestling. And this was not that. It, was it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was good. It was okay. It was, was okay. good. It was good, not great. Yeah. But after seeing great wrestling that night, I feel like your show should grow and improve, not have all the hot shit at the beginning. Yeah, that's the thing about this episode. The first half was awesome. Yeah. Like the the Darby Allen versus Swerve and then the MJF and Darby promo and the Buddy Matthews versus Orange match. Mm-hmm. And even up to, uh up to the Wardlow destroying Hobbs's car and the angle with um, the angle with uh, the elite and the Blackpool oh, yeah. Combat Club, or like Jeff Hardy returning, like Jeff Hardy all, returning, all this awesome all shit that, happened uh, up through up through the women's match. Yeah, up 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 through up to the women's match. I should say not through the women's match, but to the women's match. Yeah, up up through uh, up through the the elite. Yeah. Uh, and the Blackpool Combat Club. It was an awesome show. Yeah. And then the women's match, not so great. And the Jericho-Lee match, just just good, not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, I thought it was a damn good show. I mean, I thought it was a, a oh, pretty yeah. great episode. It was an exciting episode. Je- yeah, Jeff Hardy coming back. You had them setting up. The the Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club, which, if they do it right, I mean, we're just starting. I don't want to hype it too much, but shit, if they do it right, this could be one of the legendary feuds in professional wrestling. It has 
it has the characters and the performers involved in it to be a legendary feud, to be an amazing feud, if it is booked correctly. I mean, I'm so excited about it. Um, so just those two things, two killer matches, and then a destruction of a car. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just a fun, great show. Uh, and then the the booking of it kind of, yeah, kind of wasn't so great. The final mm-hmm. what, third of the show or whatever. Yeah. yeah that's, uh, but okay, that's fine. Shows can't be perfect. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. You have any any final thoughts about Dynamite? Keep giving us more of what was at the beginning of the yeah. show. I'm really excited to see what they're going to do next with the four pillars. Oh, wait, we didn't do Pillar Watch. We did Pillar Watch. Pillar Watch. We didn't do it formally. Okay, you can formally do Pillar Watch. So we'll do we'll keep it short because we talked enough about we talked a lot about AEW already. Mm-hmm. So it'll it'll be short because there wasn't a lot done. So Pillar Watch, we got the World Champ MJF. What did he do this week? Where he, is he? he? He comes out after Darby Allen's match. Came out and kind of got verbally Schooled. put in his place yeah. by Darby Allen. That was excellent. So I don't know. We'll see where he is on the pillow watch. Mm-hmm. Sammy Guevara, we just saw him watching the Darby Allen Swerve Strickland match. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a neutral. Jack Perry, we just saw him watch watching that, yeah. the Darby Allen Swerve mm-hmm. Strickland match. Darby Allen, we saw beat Swerve Strickland mm-hmm. in an awesome hard fought match. And then school MJF. Mm-hmm. In ring with Sting showing up too. Oh yeah, and then Sting hits MJF in the face with pom poms. So right. I feel like that's got to lower him on the pillar. Yeah, a little. So at the top of Pillar Watch this week, it is Darby Allen for his win over Swerve Strickland, and then his uh, nice promo he cut on MJF. Uh, I guess second place. On the pillar watch would probably be a tie for uh, Jack Perry and Sammy Guevara. And then all the way at the bottom would be the world champ MJF because he got made to look a little ridiculous by Darby Allen this week. Mm-hmm. How the mighty have fallen. And the fifth unspoken pillar, Kip Sabian, did yeah, not appear. Did not appear in this picture. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, it's been a fun time. But... We must go. This has been No Bones About Wrestling. This has been the AEW Dynamite Report. We will see you next week for K Fabulous. This is Asa saying, have a nice day. Bye. <laughs>